Welcome to OB Boss Babes, where we showcase female entrepreneurs, working professionals, community builders, and boss babe biz owners that share their stories so that others can feel inspired, empowered, and connected to other women in business. We are the must-listen podcast for entrepreneurs throughout the Ottawa Valley, Lanark County, and the Pontiac. Here at our Boss Babes face behind the scenes, as we dive into real and brutally honest conversations about different industries, how women are smashing stereotypes, balancing motherhood, and are building successful businesses. This is OB Boss Babes. The township of Madawaska Valley is known for its natural beauty, heritage, culture, outdoor recreation, and exceptional quality of life for all residents and visitors. You can work, live and play within our boundaries and enjoy the beauty your way. And they're excited to support small businesses. When you shop in Madawaska Valley, your dollars stay in the community. And did you know that for every $100 spent at locally owned businesses, $68 will stay in your neighborhood? Small businesses are at the heart of our community. Help them with more than just shopping local. Buy a gift card, write reviews, and send referrals to their door or website. Word of mouth is the best advertising you can buy and a great way to bring in new customers. It's time you visited Madawaska Valley to see if you too will stay for a lifetime. All right, everybody. Today I'm welcomed by Marcy Rutledge from Barry's Bay Dental Hygiene Clinic in Madawaska Valley. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So Marcy, there are many different phobias out there. And one of the familiar fears that we have heard about, and maybe even some of my listeners may even experience themselves, is the fear of going to the dentist or dentophobia. <laughs> Absolutely. Deal with it <laughs> quite often. Right. Um, it, it is. And you know what? For some people, dental fears are around a sound or a smell or something that brings them back to a time that they were going through something that created anxiety or trauma in the dental office or in the dental chair. And so if people are honest about that kind of thing, when they walk through the door, like, Hey, I hate the sound of a drill. Hey, I don't like the smell of polish. I, you know, then we can avoid those things, but then there's some folks that they, they can't give you a reason. It's just an anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so we try to manage that as much as we can. You're right. Opening up that conversation right from the get-go and saying like, listen, if you do have a fear, if something bothers you, let me know. And like, let's see how we can kind of work around it or we can kind of minimize the effect as much as we can. I love that. Absolutely. So we put it right on our medical history. So the first time you walk into the office before you ever sitting in my chair, you can tell me about whatever it is that gives you that anxiety in the dental chair. And then we've, it's an easy conversation to have because we've already started into it. Mm -hmm. Now tell me, Marcy, were you ever nervous or afraid of visiting the dentist when you were young? I was not. I'm one of those weirdos that I've always loved going to the dentist. Um, had a tiny crush on my dental hygienist as a kid. <laughs> he was a beautiful man. <laughs> and um, so I know I've never hated going. I was there a lot. And maybe that's one of the reasons that I've gone into dentistry myself. I'm not really sure, but um, I had a lot of dental decay as a kid and ended up going through a lot of appointments really close together. And finally, my mom advocated for me and um, basically told my dentist that I wasn't a liar when I said I was brushing and flossing and doing all the things. 
And they did some testing for me, some saliva testing, found out I had a bacterial infection, treated me for that. And I really haven't had to case since. So, um, no, I've never been afraid. I have a little sister who's terrified and still leaves finger tracks in my chair when she uh. sits in there <laughs> with her dental anxiety, um, which is a, a trauma induced anxiety. So it's easy to avoid, um, you know, those anxieties for her, but no, myself, I've never been, never been anxious, always loved going. So I want to kind of get a little bit of your backstory and your history here. And, and most importantly, your journey of what inspired you to want to pursue dental hygiene and how you and your husband landed here in Madawaska Valley. I first, let's talk about how I got into dentistry. So I, I, my, one of my mom's friends, her daughter is a few years older than me and she went into hygiene. She found a job easily. She's working in the health field, but didn't have to work shift work or evenings and was making pretty good money. So she was the one that first said something to me like, Mars, if you don't know what you want to do after high school, maybe you should think about hygiene. And I, at first I blew it off completely right? No, I don't think so. I'm not going to follow in her footsteps. But then I got into high school and I took a co-op placement, a four credit co-op placement in a dental office with Dr. Smith, actually, who is long retired from Bancroft, but now, but it was amazing. I went in thinking that I wanted to kind of shadow just the admin people mm-hmm. and he met me at the door and was like, you are going to follow each of us. I'll give you a day with everybody. That'll take you almost two weeks. Come back to me. Tell me what you like the best and we'll see where you go. And you're going to start with me. So I shadowed the dentist on my very first day and it was terrifying. And I saw some stuff that I was not prepared for right off the bat, but I fell in love with hygiene because those ladies were having these, you know, 10 different appointments with 10 different people working on with some people's strengths, working on some problems, working with the dentist, but mostly independently. And I just thought, wow, like this is, this is totally for me. So I ended up doing the majority of my co-op placement in high school, following the dental hygienist. And there were, there were two main hygienists in that office. So, and they practice a little differently, right? We all kind of develop our own style once you've got the basics down. And so I, I got to really see a lot in that co-op placement. So that's, that's what kind of catapulted me into dentistry. Um, I did my, my schooling in downtown Toronto. So when I moved to Toronto to do school, my parents were like, you're never going to come back. You're going to love the convenience of the city and, and fall in love with the city. And I hated it. I did my time. I was back to MacArthur's Mills every weekend um also my husband and I were already dating at the time so I was coming back to see him a little bit too but the noise in Toronto was just nothing like I had ever experienced it was 24 hours a day and I had a hard time with that so when I was out of school I came back home I worked in Bancroft in the dental office with Dr. Smith again but that was just part-time and then I found full-time work in Campbellford and worked there for four years. I I enjoyed being in the small town again, but I did kind of miss home. It was different. Like this area is small town, but it's your cottage country. You're hunting and fishing and hiking, and it's very outdoorsy. And I found in Campbellford, it was a lot of farming. And Dale and I are not farmers. We didn't really 
ever feel like that was home. Like we'd say mm-hmm. we were going home when we were going back to either Bird's Creek where he grew up or MacArthur's Mills. So I felt like I needed a change. I didn't feel like I was able to practice dental hygiene the way that I felt was right and which was difficult. And I'd been through, like, I worked with several different dentists before I came to this conclusion of like, I'm just, if I just open up my own practice, I would be practicing the way I feel is right. And then I don't have to go through a whole bunch of offices. I started doing education to do that. I had to become self-initiating and I knew nothing about marketing or advertising or (laughs) how to do my own accounting. Like there was, I had none of that experience. So I started doing some education and Dale and I just started chatting about where we wanted to end up. And, and we'd already owned a house in Campbellford, but I knew I didn't want to open a practice close to where we were and wanted to be closer to home. So the one day I just like blurted out, what about Barry's Bay? And he didn't shoot it down. <laughs> so we came for a visit, drove around town, looked at some of the properties, the commercial properties that were available and it was a real option and then I called the dental office and told them like asked them like when could I get my teeth clean if I wanted to told them I was a dental hygienist and what I was planning on doing and they had a nine-month wait list so I was close to home I was in a community that was a lot more like where I grew up and Dale was excited to come he's really outdoorsy he's a hunting guy and loves to fish and and all of that stuff. So Barry's Bay really just fit well for us. And statistically, there was big enough population here to support my business and the dental office as well. They had a nine month waiting list. So I was pretty sure I could find some people that wanted to be seen sooner and get a little bit of a head start. And so, yeah, it just, it really, it really worked out. And now that we're here, like this was home, mm-hmm. sorry, building the building my clinic is in we started calling it home. Like we're going to go home to build the clinic this weekend. So it it's a really good fit. So the ability to own a dental practice or to provide oral care as an independently practicing hygienist is making headway and has really become a reality to many. And many dental hygienists work independently outside of a traditional dental practice, but I still find that it's still a relatively new concept for dental hygienists to work independently outside of a traditional dental practice. So in Ontario, it's only been legal for a hygienist to work outside of a dental office without a dentist present since 2007. So we kind of followed the same path that Denturist did years and years ago, where we, you know, showed that you're a completely separate profession. And if you go to an independent dental hygienist, she is not a dentist. She's Mm -hmm. not been to dental school. She cannot diagnose the cavity. She cannot fix your cavities. She cannot fix your teeth. What we do is prevention. So as a registered dental hygienist, I am starting my appointments with oral cancer screenings. I'm looking for tissue changes. I'm doing gum measurements and checking for gum disease. I do look around the teeth and I have this little saying that I tell people where I'm like, you know, I can't diagnose a cavity, but I can tell you that I see this suspicious spot that I think could be a cavity. And I'd really like to write a referral letter to your dental office so that they'll call you and schedule an exam and you can have it 
looked at and treated if it needs to be treated. And most people get the hint then that it's like, you know, this is a, this is a cavity, this is a problem and you need to have it fixed. So I'm working on the preventive side of dentistry. I'm trying to avoid those cavities, catch changes early, maybe change your home care routine or change some of the products that you're using so that we're preventing that disease. Whereas the dental office, the dentist, what they're doing is treatment. They're fixing the problem. They're fixing the broken tooth. They're fixing the cavity. They're fixing the problem. So we're really two totally separate professions. Mm-hmm. So it opens up that collaborative experience that you would have if your dental hygienist is in the dental office, separated. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Now, in the majority of dental appointments, the patient only really spends a few minutes with the dentist, while the hygienist is usually there for the entire appointment, and you really get to form more of a relationship with your hygienist since they're the one that's spending the most time with their patients. And it just makes you wonder why more people aren't actually just booking appointments with an RDH instead of also having to see the dentist for an additional bill just to double check after the cleaning is complete. So Marcy, tell us, do you really need to see the dentist every time at your appointment? So this is so individualized, Holly. I really cannot give you like a yes or no answer. So it really depends what's going on in your mouth. What I say to people is ask, even if you're not coming into an independent hygienist, if you see a, a hygienist in the dental office, you can still ask like, hey, how often do I need a dental checkup? Or what is the reason I need to have my checkup done every three months or six months or nine months or what, whatever interval it is that you're going on? Figure out what it is. If you have a, a huge history of decay, your last cavity was six months ago or, or less, then should you go see the dentist for your checkup? Absolutely, right? Go have them check. They're the ones that diagnose the cavity. I can't write a prescription or take an x-ray. You you can find these cavities early just by going to the dental office and having your regular exam. Do you need to see the dentist every three months? Probably not. Probably not. It's those people going in for three-month appointments are typically folks who are building up a lot of tartar buildup, which is my job to remove. Um, Or they've got gum disease that we're trying to stabilize or reverse if it's early stages or that, you know, it's, it's really the preventive side that's taking them into the office. Then no, you don't need to see the dental, the dentist for that, for a checkup then. But what we do suggest is that you do see the dentist once a year, have your checkup. If you're due for x-rays or if x-rays are warranted at that time, that can find problems underneath old fillings, in between the teeth, stuff that we don't see with the naked eye until it's way too late. All right. So now I'm going to pose an interesting question on you. Since becoming a registered dental hygienist, I'm sure you got asked all the time if you're ever going to continue your education to become a dentist. When people ask you that, I'm sure they don't ask you maybe as much anymore, if at all, because you've been in business for so long doing this. What was your response? So I still think about going through and becoming a dentist. I, I'll have a day or a week or have somebody call me and tell me like, yeah, I, I'm, I can't get an appointment with my dentist for six months. 
And I think, man, what was I thinking? <laughs> why, why didn't I go through and continue my education? The thing is, I love prevention. I really love what I work in. I love problem solving things for people and preventing them from getting any more problems or, you know, stabilizing a gum condition. There's so much um, that I can do that I really do. And I really do love what I do. And that relationship that you talked about earlier, that relationship with the dental hygienist is huge. Mm -hmm. It may, and I love it too. I love it too. It's visiting with a friend while I'm helping you out with your health. Amazing, amazing opportunity. So there, there's that, but I do feel limited in my scope of, of practice every now and then. And I still do have people say to me, why don't you just become a dentist? Well, the truth is I'm not going to go to university for six years. Mm -hmm. I'm done. I love my family. I'm not going to leave my husband with the kids or like go by myself to a city to do that education. It's just not in the cards for me anymore. Will it be later in my life? I don't know. I just love what I do so much. I, I can't imagine. And I would really miss that relationship with my clients. So it's, I mean, it's something that I've always wrestled with. Maybe always will like ask me when I'm 55 and, and should be thinking about retirement and I might be in university. We'll see. I don't know. I feel like it goes back to the whole saying, why fix it if it's not broken? And going back to the patient provider relationship with the hygienist and their patient is so crucial and so important. And it's funny because I think of my own experience with my own hygienist, who I've been going to since I was probably like five years old. But I don't have that same relationship and bond that I do with my dentist as I do with my hygienist. Like I book in specifically with my hygienist at every appointment that I have to go to for, for my teeth cleaning and we get to catch up. She knows me, my family, now my kids. We talk about different Netflix shows that we're watching. I know about her son, like that synergy and relationship that we have connected and formed over the years has really cultivated and nurtured that relationship so that it's an enjoyable experience every time I go to get my teeth cleaned. Absolutely. So like the way I feel because of privacy policy, I can't tell you a whole lot. Like I can't give you huge examples or, you know, anything, but like just little things. Like I had a man come in earlier this week and he's going on a trip. And it was just so simple to be like, oh, that's so cool. You've got to bring me pictures next time you're in. Hey, you know, you probably haven't packed yet. And here's a little travel brush. And, you know, like that kind of stuff yeah. is just so cool, right? So, and then he's so appreciative because he's so excited to go on this trip. He kind of squeezed me in. He thought about canceling the appointment. And here he benefited for his trip just by yeah. coming. So it's, it's little stuff like that. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. Or then like, there's the other stuff too, where I have, I see, I had a teenager walk in. I haven't seen him in a while. Cause he's away at university. He walked in. I didn't even recognize him. I would have walked past this guy on the street, you know, and, and here he is. I think of him still as this teeny tiny kid. Like he was when he started coming in to see me, that's my expectation. This man walks through the door and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> like, yeah. When did you grow up? Have I really, have I really been practicing in Barry's Bay this long? But I have, 
right? So it's, and it's neat because I, he sits down in the chair and he's got one of the cleanest mouths I've ever seen in a teenage boy. And it's just like, oh, I did this, you know, like yeah. it's, it's just so neat. It's so cool. Yeah, it really Very is. Cool. So beyond working clinically, registered hygienists can work in a variety of settings, such as education, research, public health administration, or become an entrepreneur like you did and open their own clinic. So instead of working as a hygienist directly at a dentist office, how and when did you make the decision to open your own clinic in Barry's Bay and then and then eventually include another RDH to work alongside you? So when it comes to opening up my practice, it really was to be able to practice the way that I felt was right. So in the dental office, and it, it's it's no fault of anyone, but there are time restraints, right? Like you have to have some kind of schedule. You can't say to someone like, oh, come in the morning and I'll clean your teeth sometime. So it's it becomes really difficult. And not only are you juggling that one dental hygienist schedule, but now you're juggling also the dentist time to come in and do the exam um, maybe diagnosed from the x-rays, who knows someone comes in and they have something broken. Now, all of a sudden that appointment's gone from like your regular six month continuing care appointment to all of a sudden you spend 20 minutes taking x-rays and trying to determine the dentist comes in, trying to determine if that tooth is still alive. Is it savable? Is it fixable? And so it's just a really different atmosphere and so I felt like I didn't really have time to do things like an oral cancer screening. And I didn't really have enough time to do the client education that I felt was necessary. So here I am struggling in my job where I feel like I should be an educator mostly mm -hmm. to my clients. Like you come in, I'm going to assess things and I'm going to teach you how to take better care of things and prevent disease. And I didn't have time to do that. And it was really frustrating really frustrating. I, I questioned myself a lot if I was doing the right thing. If I was like, I knew I was scaling and doing a good job of being a mouth janitor, but there's so much more to dental hygiene <laughs> than being a mouth janitor. And I just didn't feel like I was really using that scope of practice. And so it, I started to see it because I was in that one practice for about four years. I started seeing that folks that I was seeing on a six month, nine month, one year basis were coming in and they had exactly the same problem that they had when I started seeing them, you know, two, three, four years ago. And thought, yeah, this is proof that I'm not doing my job, not doing my whole job. So that was really where the, the big aspect of like owning my own practice. I actually, before I thought about opening my own practice, I looked into going into community health and that was just screening kids, teach kids how to prevent disease right from the get-go in school. And that's kind of where I was, was looking before entrepreneurship, but all the jobs were in downtown Toronto and I was not going back. Mm -hmm. So starting my own clinic seemed like at the time, the only way for me to practice the way that I was wanting to without trying out a whole bunch of different offices all over Ontario. So starting up the practice took me a long time. I had to become self-initiating 
So that meant that I had to do a little bit of extra education. And I went through a mentorship program with a dental hygienist who was already self-initiating and she'd been a hygienist for, for quite a few years. So she made sure that it was safe, that I was safe to do treatment without a dentist. So basically what that means is I had to go through a bunch of education to make sure that I knew enough about medical history information, drugs, medical conditions, all of that kind of thing to practice dental hygiene effectively and safely. So after that was all done, that's when I started to really hit the books on the advertising and marketing. We decided to go the route of buying the old meat market, the cold storage that was in Barry's Bay. So once I had things sorted out for the advertising, marketing, I had my licensing was all good. I was self-initiating. We had the building pretty much built. I was still working four days a week in Campbellford at the dental office. And I hadn't told the dentist that I was doing this process. I was afraid he'd fire me because he'd presented me with an employment contract that said that I couldn't start up an independent practice for over a year after stopping working for them or within a certain distance of the clinic. But that wasn't an issue because I didn't want to be in the Campbellford area. Right. So I left my job. I started up here and I was not busy to start. And I panicked a little bit, but my husband was super supportive. And he was, I started to talk about like, should I go get a part-time job? Should I, should I be driving to Pembroke? Should I be, what should I be doing? And he was just like, no, be there, put your time in. I, we can float us. We had this financial plan worked out um, and we had contingency plans in place. I built this building so it could be completely gutted and become, could become anything if the clinic didn't work. But I put in my time and he was right. Like it really did take off. It just took some time for me to see people who would go out and say to their family members, you need to go see her. You need to go and experience this. Wow, that was different. You need to you need to check this out. So it took a little while and it was a hard transition. And even after I was open for about six months and like loving it when I was seeing people, but frustrated when I wasn't, I got a call from the dental office that I'd left and they were like, are you starving to death? Come on back. And that kind of solidified in my mind, like I'm going to make this work. If I have to drag people in by the ear, I'm going to make this work. And it did. It worked. I just love hearing these success stories as business owners look back in their archives and reflect on their journeys and how far they've come. Because we tend to forget about our roads to success and all of the different obstacles we had to go through, the long hours that we had to put in, and and the trust that we had to build with our community, right? But then to have your former employer calling you just to check in and see how things are going and tempt you with your old job, it just puts that fire under your ass to make things work. That's I never amazing. Thought it, no, I still feel like I'm working at this, Holly. Like I hear what you're saying. Yeah. I'm totally going to take that in. You're right. I, it's been a success. I'm here. It's working. It's, it's working well. But I, I still feel that sense of like, it's, we've got to build this thing. I really do. I don't feel like I can just sit back and play out what's what I've done for the rest of my career. I don't think that's 
I don't think that's going to work. It has to be evolving. And I'm always, I'm such a nerd. I'm such a science nerd. I'm no, always- you're all, you know what you are? You're an entrepreneur because you're leveling uh, up continuously. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes, I am. So I like at this point, although I have a really loyal clientele, and we're still building. Like, I think this week alone, we saw it. We're seeing six new clients all together in one week. Like, that's insane when I've been here for 14 years. It's so cool. I've never plateaued in the new clients coming in. And that's why Brooke came on. Um, that's a whole other story. But that's that's when I ha- knew I had to hire another hygienist. I just could not keep up with it. But um yeah, it's, it's still, I still feel like we're building. I still feel like there's, there's going to be changes all the way through mm-hmm. to the practice. Science changes so fast. Like the, the, the science that I learned when I was in school is, is evolving all the time and we're learning new things all the time. So like the recommendations that I was making 14 years ago when I opened up are not the same recommendations that I'm making now by and large. So it's just, it just always feels like we're still building and we're still growing Mm -hmm. all the time. So I feel that every entrepreneur should have that mindset. You shouldn't feel comfortable and you should want to take risks. You should want to learn and educate yourself more and upgrade technology and instruments that you're using because your growth takes place outside of your comfort zone and it takes pushing yourself to that next level to get there. You should, you should never want to stop growing. Absolutely. Yeah. I know. I totally agree. Thanks for tuning in to the OV Boss Babes podcast. We're going to hear from our sponsors. Stick around and we'll be right back. Looking for a job in Renfrew or Lanark County? The Labor Market Group of Renfrew and Lanark has launched the most comprehensive job board in the region, pulling from over 35 different job sites with an interactive map to show you the resources surrounding each job from childcare to grocery stores and more. And with additional tools, such as our Career Explorer, you'll find labor market information, including average wages and career change pathways, all in one place. Fill up your job toolkit today by visiting jobs.labormarketgroup.ca. Heritage Hearing Care has been helping ears to hear for over 24 years. We are an independently owned clinic with an experienced and knowledgeable team of audiologists, hearing instrument practitioners, and support staff, which includes six women who were either born and raised in the Ottawa Valley or who have been here for decades. Our services are patient-focused. We offer diagnostic hearing assessments, tinnitus assessment management, hearing aid and assistive device consultations, custom hearing protection, wax removal, and so much more. With diverse service models and affordability for each individual that we see, our goals are to improve the lives of families in our community and exceed expectations when caring for our patients. We take care of patients from age two and up from both the Ontario and Quebec sides of the Ottawa River. As Renfrew County is such a large area, we offer remote clinics in Deep River, Barry's Bay and Petawawa. We also have monthly visits to Supple's Landing and Riverview Heights as well, because sometimes life is easier if we come to you. Whether you have questions about your own hearing health or that of a family member, we're here to help. 
get in touch with us to book an appointment by calling 613-735-0776. Check out our website at www.heritagehearing.ca and find us on Facebook too. Hey babes, it's Candice from Sunshine Sweets. Looking to sweeten up your day? Check out my Facebook and Instagram page to see what cookie I'll be whipping up next. Not to mention, everything's 100% nut-free. And you're listening to the OV Boss Babes podcast. All right, so I really want to pick your brain, Marcy, about your expertise about simplifying oral health because you have a passion for prevention and we're going to keep repeating this again throughout the entire episode, but let's start with a good teeth cleaning. So we all know that we should be brushing our teeth at least twice a day and flossing at least a handful of times a week, but let's ask the expert right here. Is it really necessary to floss if we're brushing our teeth at least once a day? So yes, but no, (laughs) I am not stuck on flossing. So the newest recommendations that are out right now are if you are diseased, flossing is not where you start to get healthy. Flossing is now for somebody who's healthy. If you're unhealthy, you need to be using some kind of tool to clean in between your teeth. For some people, that is going to be flossing because that's the only thing that fits. But for other people, there's end tough brushes. It's like a little tiny um, point of a toothbrush. There's proxy brushes, which are kind of like a pipe cleaner. They can shove between your teeth and they come in all different sizes. There's soft picks. They're like a a glorified toothpick. There's all kinds of tools now that if you're diseased, that's where we start. We don't have you floss every day. We have you use these little tools, get things healthy. Once you're healthy, then we'll decide, should we be continuing on with those tools or do we move you into flossing? There are some people that just don't have the dexterity to floss. Honestly, they're never going to be good at it because their hands don't work the way they want them to, or maybe they have a really tiny jaw, really super tight cheeks, or who knows what the anatomical problem could be. And so tools are going to always be what we suggest to clean in between the teeth. But for the average adult, you must brush twice a day and, and floss or use something in between your teeth daily to prevent oral disease. It's just, it's what it takes to keep the inflammation down in your gum tissue. And I mean, I could talk about that all day with inflammation. You're, you get that bulbous tissue, you get debris stuck between the tooth and the gum. Once it's stuck in there, I can't give you a tool that you're not going to possibly damage yourself to get it out of there. Right. So just keep that tissue tight and healthy and you don't end up with that that problem, that inflammation and the gingivitis, gum disease, you, you prevent it completely. Brushing twice a day, it's actually, I think, I haven't read into this lately, but it, I think it's actually every eight hours, technically, you should be brushing your teeth oh, wow. to remove plaque. But I'm not going to ask you to set an alarm and wake up in the night to brush your teeth. So roughly that's twice while you're awake, right? Twice a day. All right. Well, what's more effective then if we're doing all this already? So now we're talking about the toothbrush. Are we using a standard toothbrush or is an electric toothbrush more effective for brushing our teeth? So the science shows that an oscillating rotating power brush is the best for plaque removal. 
So that's your round headed brushes that do like a pulse and a quarter turn back and forth at the same time. Anyways, that is the best way to remove your plaque. It is supposed to be the, the best way to be cleaning your teeth. However, I do have people that have damaged themselves with a power toothbrush. And we've gone back to a super soft bristle and a manual brush and their tissue is healthier because they're not damaging it. They can't put enough pressure on that super soft bristle to cause a problem. So again, this is another thing that becomes extremely individualized. I would say it's probably like 75% of clients should be using a power toothbrush. That oscillating, rotating motion would be beneficial either for their gum health or to remove plaque. But there's that other percentage of people that they will damage themselves and they do benefit more from using a manual brush. Now, I kind of want to dig into this question a little bit deeper. Is it possible to be brushing too hard, especially with a manual brush? Because, yeah, because I had actually gotten like a slap on, like a gentle slap on the wrist from my hygienist, and which is why I switched actually to an electric toothbrush because she was like, you are brushing way too hard. But I didn't understand why. Like this was years ago. So tell us why. So your gum tissue is living tissue and you wouldn't take a wire toothbrush to your gum tissue. You shouldn't be taking a hard or even a medium brush to that tissue because you will create a problem. You will, you can create a recession. You can damage the tissue and end up with scar tissue in there. You've got to be careful. Now, using a soft bristled brush or a super soft bristled brush, Ultrasoft is in there now too, different companies, different bristles, but using a soft or softer bristle is going to ensure that you're not creating so much damage. Can you use a toothbrush wrong? 100% you can. And so if you've never had a hygienist show you how you should be brushing your teeth, ask next time you go in, just be like, I don't care how old I am. Show me how I should be brushing my teeth. And I'll tell you this, we change it like every five years, we decide that you should be using a different method. So it's changing with science, right? It's difficult to explain. Some power brushes will have a pressure sensor in them. Sometimes just making that change, going from that scrub with your manual brush to moving into letting the toothbrush do the work is enough to stop that muscle memory from doing that scrub and doing the damage. Now, I know you said that if we get a cavity, you're going to ship us off to the dentist for uh, for removal and, <laughs> and all that other stuff. But we're talking about preventative measures here. So how can we avoid getting cavities? So I, I'm a huge believer in diet. I think diet is everything when it comes to cavity prevention. Um, there's been lots of good books that have not been disproven that were written in like the 1930s. And they talked about, you know, getting your vitamin D cod liver oil. So you have that perfect relationship between the vitamin A and vitamin D, um, making sure you limit your sugar or not, you know, like we have to live. I'm, I'm not going to shame you for having granola bar at lunchtime, but overall having those, those minerals from your fruits and vegetables, getting good proteins, healthy proteins. And that's, I think the number one, number two is those preventive measures with your home care. Like what you do at home means a lot. So removing that plaque, removing the food debris, 
that gives those tissues a chance to heal. It also takes away the Thanksgiving feast from those bacteria that we know will cause decay. So home care is, is a very close number two, for sure, for prevention. And then the other thing that I want to just kind of briefly touch on is airway problems. And I am no airway specialist, but I do see a lot folks that should have had some airway dentistry done, either ortho to open up their their airways or should be using some kind of guard now so that their airways staying open when they sleep, those folks do tend to have more cavities. So we have to figure that out for people before they get to a point where they're getting decay. We can test them for bacteria and we don't find crazy amounts of bacteria or a yeast infection. Their diet is good. They have everything else in check. They're doing their home care and they're still getting decay. There's some underlying reason and is it airway issues? I think for most people it is. Now you offer teeth stain removal. So what are some tips to prevent stained teeth and keep them looking bright and white without having to cut out our coffee and red wine? Yeah, so this is a hard one. I think sipping on those pigmented drinks is the problem. So if when you have your coffee, have your coffee, just drink it. Don't burn yourself. But drink it, get it over with, and then have a drink of water or a quick rinse out even just with water. Remove those stating pigments so they're not sitting in your saliva for a long period of time. If you're going to sit at your desk and sip on a coffee all day long, as soon as your saliva has buffered away that staining pigment and you've swallowed it, you're re-staining yourself. Like you're, It's like being reinfected kind of thing, right? So I think that's the big thing is like, Drink that coffee and get it gone. Drink that red wine and get it gone. Remove the staining pigments. And then that is going to create less stain. The other thing you can do is drink through a straw. Now, coffee through a straw, I have lots of people that just roll their eyes and they say, hey, would you consider? Let your coffee cool down a little extra and drink it through a straw. Um, there's lots of people that won't. But drinking through a straw makes a huge difference too. The swallowing mechanism when you're drinking from a cup kind of pushes things and makes it flow forward again. But when you're drinking through a straw, you tend to just gulp it down. Yeah, and I guess that's why people kind of switch to iced coffee too. You know, you can drink through a straw that way. Now, I mean, with red wine, probably not. <laughs> probably not going to happen. <laughs> no, probably not. But drink that red wine. Drink your glass of red wine and rinse out. But the next step that we could do too, though, is actually take advantage of your teeth whitening services. So how many sessions do you have to undergo treatment before we finally see some noticeable results? One. It's one treatment kind of a deal. So so it used to be that we made you trays and you took them home and you use all the goop, put it in, wear it for an hour or two, and then take it out and have to clean everything. We've kind of steered away from that, mostly because people were not following the instructions. So you were supposed to do it every single day at the same time of day. But what they do is they'd be using that whitening gel. They'd do a couple days before they went to this wedding and they'd do a couple days before they went to that job interview. And instead of doing that block of time and then giving your teeth that time and your saliva to buffer out the acids that are in that whitening gel, they're getting that kind of constant hit and that was no good. So now we're doing professional in-office whitening mostly. So don't panic if you bought the trays and have the trays and you want to continue doing it. That's fine. We can still get you the gel, but 
for the majority of people, we would rather do an in-office treatment. So it's, we book you an hour and a half. Uh, you're not usually here even that long, but it gives us lots of time. And we put a barrier across your gum tissue, paint the whitening um, gel into a little tray, pop it in your mouth for 20 minutes, shine a blue light. And that causes the material to work faster because what it's doing is actually cleaning out the pores of your teeth, the tubules. And so we, we excite the gel, it cleans out, we give you a little break after 20 minutes, do one more 20 minute session for most people. I will say we do have some people because we're biological at the various Bay Dental Hygiene Clinic. So we do not want you to leaving looking like a Barbie. We want things to look natural, right? So we watch the color of your eyes. So we do, have had some people that do 20 minutes and it's like, whoa, you're gonna look like you're wearing a denture if we do any more. So mm -hmm. we just stop there. But the majority of people, we go through the, the second 20 minute session and that will get them. So this company that we use, Spa Dent Naturals, they guarantee three shades difference and we've never seen anyone get only three shades difference in that one appointment the majority of people are going to get somewhere between like five and eight shades different in one sitting and then we don't do whitening for at least six months so marcy what causes bad breath and other than using mouthwash or popping in a trident gum how else can we prevent bad breath from reoccurring so it kind of depends what the bad breath is coming from. So I've had people that come in and they've just been a long time since they had their teeth clean last and literally just removing the buildup that's there is enough to get rid of their bad breath or the bad taste that they've had. A lot of people may not know they have bad breath unless a loved one has told them, but they will know they have bad taste in their mouth. And that is the same problem, right? It's, it's the, the bacteria or the debris that's there. Other times, bad breath can come from your stomach. If you have digestion issues, acid reflux, there's like, there's honestly, there are clinics that are just focused on nothing but bad breath. And so it becomes kind of a process to figure out what it is that's causing it. Some of the easy things that we do to start is first do your preventive care, right? So we're going to do, we're going to clean your teeth, remove your stain, check back in with you in two weeks. How's your breath? We're going to change your oral hygiene, right? I might ask you to scrape your tongue with a tongue scraper or, you know, who knows, whatever I see in your mouth that I think could be causing the problem. We can change those kind of things easily. There's also bacterial testing. And that's something that's fairly new that we've just started to do where we take paper points and we will take five different samples from five different spots in your mouth, send it off to the lab, and then they send it back and tell us, you know, there's, there is a problem. It's yeast or it's this specific bacteria or that specific bacteria. And they give us a list of like, this is what you need to do. So for some people, hydration, being dehydrated is what's caused their problems. We stop at that. Drink your water, make sure you're getting your like half of your body weight in pounds and ounces of water a day. And then let's revisit and see if you're still getting it. If it's a bacterial problem, then we treat it. So I want to hear more about your partnership with Ottawa Valley Denture Clinic, because I love community partnerships when they come together. So how did you and Tony Ben Ruin come to working together so that he could offer his team's denture services through your clinic? Yeah, so he's, he's an interesting, so he, he bought the Ring Rose Clinic um, in Pembroke, and I 
I had a dentist here years ago and the relationship just did not work out. And, but a sales rep that is my sales rep, my area sales rep asked me one time, like, oh, are you going to look for somebody else? And I said, I don't think I'm going to actively look, but I'd love to have somebody. And I I also feel the same about bringing in a dentist on board. Like I, if, with the right person, I'd love to have uh, a biological dentist coming in, even just part-time into our clinic. Mm-hmm. So she was the one, it was the sales rep when he opened up his practice and he said, you know, I think I want to have a satellite practice somewhere, just something a day or two a week. And she was like, Hey, Marcy in Barry's Bay, she, you know, she would totally be up for that. You should contact her. So he, he reached out and we had a couple of meetings. I asked him to come and see the clinic. Cause sometimes I think people are expecting like a great big dental office that has eight different rooms. And that's not what we are. We're a two operatory office. And it feels like you're in my living room in most of my clinic. So he came in and he liked the space and, and it's just worked out so well. And honestly, we need his services here. Like we need to have the dentist that's not an hour's drive away. Mm -hmm. So it's worked out really, really well. Now, according to the Canadian Dental Association in 2021, 98% of dental hygienists and 99% of dental assistants were women. So it is an industry that's primarily female dominated with the exception of dentists themselves, with the stats that are showing that only 40% of dentists are women. Now here, I'm going to pose a question on you. How do you think women are changing the dental workforce and impacting the dental workforce for the better? Ooh, that's interesting. Well, I think that that relationship that we talked about earlier that you have with the dental hygienist or with the assistant, depending on what's going on. But I think, I think that is like a female superpower to relate to people, help them feel comfortable, kind of nurture that relationship between the two of you. I think that's super important. And I think that's the big impact that females have is that, that relationship with their client. I'd completely agree with that. Again, you're, you're really getting to know them. You're having like, you're giving them that person centered approach and you're really connecting with them because like you're in, you're in their mouths. Like you can't get more up and close and personal than that. And you're trying to make them feel comfortable. Absolutely. You know what? It's the strangest thing when someone comes in and says, I'm just going to go to my happy place. I don't want you to talk to me unless you have to. And it's, it's the weirdest 45 minutes of my day when that happens, because I'm in one of the most intimate parts of your body. I'm Mm -hmm. a stranger in that intimate part of your body that you don't share with many people. Yeah. And you don't want to talk to me, you know, like it's, it's just weird. It's very strange, but I get it. If that's, if that's how you deal with your anxiety, then that's fine. Um, but for most people, they do want to have that relationship and they are comforted knowing that I'm a mom with kids, the same age as their kids in my chair, or I'm, you know, like I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to explain things to you. I'm using, I'm using all my feminine superpowers to try to help you here. And I think it's comforting for people. Can we also talk about the fact that like, how much of a social and human connection that you have specifically on your end, Marcy, when your hands are actually physically in somebody's mouth and you're trying to like carry on a conversation while they can't really talk. I think that takes a really special skill when you have instruments in someone's mouth and 
are, you're also trying to carry on a conversation where they are very limited to how much they can speak. And so forming that connection, I think is really interesting to be able to maneuver around that and still have somebody that feels like I'm connected to you because I can only say so much and you can only say so much without like, while you're waiting for a response, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, you know what, I have to tell you this, like you you saying this to me makes me laugh because my husband says that I went into hygiene so I could do all the talking. (laughs) (laughs) We're both in the right fields. It's it's kind of true. I do get to do a lot of the talking, but I think it just comes with time. Like you start to get into a rhythm. Like I, so I will start into a story if there's an awkward silence. I will start into a story and I will time my question or my my pause for them to for my client to respond when I'm changing instruments. So like, I will strategically babble on to you (laughs) to just fill the space until it's like, oh, I'm done with my 204S. I need my Gracie 1314 now. And so you can answer me while I'm changing my instruments and you don't even notice, right? Most of the time you're staring at the ceiling. You're telling, you're trying to give me the feedback. You know, you don't have a lot of time. (laughs) So you're going to put your two cents in. And then I'm back in your mouth talking away until I need another instrument. That's when you know do- you're going above and beyond in your role. <laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe, oh but it just, you know what? It's just more comfortable that way. Mm. It really is. And then also it gives me the opportunity to like slip in more education too, right? Because mm-hmm. we can be having a conversation. Maybe we're talking about your trip or whatever. And I start scaling into an area and it's like, whoa, okay. So just like while I'm working here and it's on my mind, I want to tell you, I've found a lot more debris here. And I think you might be missing this when you're brushing or whatever. Right. I, and I can just, I can work in that education a little bit easier. And I think having that happen during an appointment creates a little bit of trust with people too. Right. Where they're like, mm-hmm. oh, well, she's not just talking to me about her dog. She like, she made sure to stop that and, and tell me the important stuff about me when she needed to. So I think that too, like changes the, the trust and the relationship. Yeah. This is just such an important conversation, but also like an unspoken one, no pun intended there, (laughs) you know, for (laughs) for being like unspoken because it's something that we all go through. We all go to the dentist. We all see our dental hygienist, but we, we tend to kind of forget about that whole experience aspect where like the personal experience, the intimate experience, the limited conversation, and then the relationship itself. I think that these are all really important things that I'm really glad and grateful that we were able to kind of discuss this because it's so much more than just oral care. It's really about the human connection. It is. And we're using other tools too, right? So I'm using like the, the hierarchy of needs. So you come in and tell me that you like after next month, you have nowhere to live because the house you were renting has just been sold and you can't find housing. Well, guess what? I can lecture you as much as I want about anything in your mouth, but your need of safety and shelter isn't there, right? Mm -hmm. So I might as well be blowing smoke because your needs aren't being met. So there's all these factors that are a part of that relationship in the conversation because we have to have 
a relationship and a conversation for me to even know that you're in a place where you can make a change and help yourself. hundred percent. All right. Now we're going to kind of take this conversation and go a little bit deeper here because we're talking about, you know, self-care and prioritizing ourselves and our needs, but how do you prioritize yourself and what do you enjoy when you're not trying to brighten other people's days and their, and their smiles? Because you're busy. You're a busy mom. You're a busy business owner. I am. I, so I'm not going to lie to you. I don't think I, I don't think I do balance well, or I think my version of balance is maybe a lot different than what other people see as balance. So I personally work clinically three days a week and lots of people will say to me, Oh, it must be nice to only work three days a week, (laughs) but there's so much behind the scenes stuff that I have to do with the clinic as well. So I'm doing my own bookkeeping. I do my own payroll. I do my own equipment servicing as much as I can. There's some stuff I can't do, but like to pay someone to come from Ottawa into Barry's Bay to change an O-ring and something is ridiculous. I'm going to do that myself. Mm -hmm. So I sharpen my own instruments, um, like with the wet stone still, I'm kind of from the dark ages in that way. Like there's just all these behind the scenes things that it takes me a full two days a week to, to manage those things as well. So I take off the weekends and weekends are my time. And that's my family time. That's the time I cook. That's the time I reconnect with my husband. So like very much, I'm like super mom. And then when I'm in the clinic, it's clinic time. And I, I am a super hygienist. And I'm just so grateful that my husband is so helpful. And we can, we have this schedule that works for us. And so, and we just, you know what? Sometimes my house is disgusting. Sometimes I walk into my house at night. And I'm like, good thing. I only have one more day of clinical work this week because this house needs attention. Or sometimes I'm, I am rescheduling appointments because it's time to be a mom. My kid's class trip last June, I rescheduled an entire day. I'm so sorry to Candace, my receptionist, because she had to make all these phone calls and try to fit these people in my already kind of jammed up schedule, but we made it work. But I have to have those times because I don't want to resent my clinic either. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want to wake up one day and be like, I don't want to go to work because that's not how I feel. I love what I do. I love my clinic. I'm super proud of it. Um, Brooke, bringing Brooke on board was so helpful because she has started seeing a lot of the new clients coming in and she's doing a lot of the whitenings. She has the same values as I do. She's created balance in my life. Um, Just having that person. And I feel completely comfortable with her being in the clinic and I'm not in the clinic. I know she can manage things by herself. Like she's just, she's a go-getter. And so there's like the balance, there's no real balance. It's like today is a clinic day and that, and that is what's happening. Tomorrow is a family day and that will be what's happening. And it just, the attention goes where it needs to go and we make it work. You hit on so many good points there. And I think that one of the takeaways that I'm taking away from this conversation is that in order to be a successful entrepreneur, you need to prioritize three things. You need to prioritize yourself and your family. You need to set those boundaries for yourself and and respect them. And three, you are outsourcing. You're getting help. 
So in order for you to be a successful business owner, entrepreneur, boss, babe, you have to do those things because those people are making sure that, like you were saying, Marcy, that they are able to come to work happy and excited and passionate. And when you do all those things, you're going to keep being successful. I sure hope so. It's worked so far. (laughs) But as we close in on this conversation, I do have one final question for you. Who is one local boss, babe, that inspires you daily that you think everyone should know about? Oh yeah. So, so this was a hard, a hard one for me. I have a couple actually, but um, one of them is Shannon Ryan. She owns Simmons Sport Horses out on the Opiongo Road. And my kids do riding lessons with her. And, you know, she's just like, she's taken kind of an old family farm from the area and she's reinvented it. And it's just amazing. It's amazing to me. Also, she creates so much joy in everybody's life. She's she's almost like therapy, honestly. It's like the kids just love going and she boosts their confidence. Like she's just, she's been awesome. She's been an awesome addition to our life. Um, another one that I just want to throw out there too is uh, a friend of mine, Meg Williams. And she is, she has grown her business, like just an unbelievable amount in the last few years. Like, like just, it's just unbelievable. And the female empowerment that she's preaching, we need this. We like, it's just amazing her message and like taking pleasure in your life and finding those pleasure moments. So I want to mention her too. I love that you did. I love Meg. I respect her so much. And she, oh, talk about, talk about business growth for sure. She has come so far. She's evolved. She's, she's changed. She's matured. She's like just really created such a movement around, around female sexuality. Um, but the woman with the sport uh, with the, uh, with the horse therapy, I'm going to have to look into that a little bit more too. That's so interesting. And I just love learning about these local boss babes that are just making so many great moves in their respective careers, but, but Marcy, so are you and like bringing it back to you, tell everybody where they can follow you on the socials as well as your website. And if you are taking on new, uh, new dental patients. Oh yeah. We're always taking on new clients for sure. We are. Um, so you, you can find us, we have an, uh, pretty good website. We're, we're in the process of getting it so that you can book an appointment online. So that's at bbdhc.ca. That's our initials, Barry's Bay Dental Hygiene Clinic. Um, you can also find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. I have a LinkedIn account under my own name, Marcia Rutledge. Um, so I'm there as well. So there's, there's lots of places to reach out to me. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much again for being a part of OB Boss Babes podcast. I really appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I, and I love what you're doing, Holly, like bringing awareness to all the female entrepreneurs in the area. It's amazing. And we need you. We need you to help us speak for ourselves because we're not very good at at tooting our own horns. So thank you so much for what you do. Thank you. Well, babes, that's it for another episode of OB Boss Babes Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. If you're not following along already, be sure to do so on Facebook and Instagram at OB Boss Babes so that you can stay tuned with all the fun stuff that's happening behind the scenes, as well as get a first look into who is going to be our next guest feature on OB Boss Babes. Come back on Wednesday for our regular Boss Babe Corner Series and and on Thursday for our monthly Baby on the Brand. 
Thanks again, babes, for being a part of OV Boss Babes. See you on Wednesdays.